Welcome to the Career Guy Podcast, a chance to talk with different people and share stories about their careers and career paths, giving you an insightful look at different careers that do exist. Here's your host, Mickey Horvath. This is part three of a three-part interview with Chris Wilson, snowboard instructor, hardware associate, helicopter pilot, aircraft maintenance engineer, author, business owner, and entrepreneur. In this interview, Chris talks about how he was contemplating and finally did leave a good paying and rewarding career. He takes the listener through his personal journey of self-reflection and developing an understanding of where he is at at the time and where he wants to go. He openly discusses how he made the decision to leave his career and some of the obstacles he faced. He talks about some resources he used, such as coaching and how this works. In leaving, he talks about his other ventures, being an author and starting and developing an online business. This episode will apply to anyone thinking about a career change as it deals with self-reflection, coaching, experimenting, and above all, how to set out a roadmap and do it. It also covers writing a book and some good tips with it, some ideas for social media, and above all, for entrepreneurs, how to start, develop, and grow a business. In a nutshell, this interview is about self-reflection and growing. With that, I would like to welcome and continue the story with Chris. Okay, fair enough. But you're 13 years into it, and you're working two weeks on, two weeks off. You said you're making six digits for sure, well over $100,000. You're liking things. Obviously, you're liking life. I mean, you indicated to me or to the audience a few minutes ago that all the work you've put in, it's finally paying off. I would say you wouldn't have any ambition, but you just don't want to take a step back to go back into flying. So what's going on with your life right now? Yeah. So in terms of the 13 year mark, I'd say even more like 10 year, 11 year mark into the industry, I was really in this good position. I'm traveling the world. I'm literally, I'm going to Hawaii. I'm going to the Grand Canyon, New York, Montreal. I'm traveling with my then girlfriend and we're having an awesome time. We're living life. I paid off all of my debt, everything I own in cash. And I've kind of made it. I've succeeded. And even though I didn't really feel like I succeeded because it was so slow and incremental, I kind of had to take a step back and, and really assess my life and what was happening. I was like, okay, I've actually accomplished everything in this whole pursuit that I wanted to. And that's when I started thinking about what's next. So the industry that I was in aviation, it can be negative. It can pull you down. It can be daunting. It can be old school thinking mentality, which are some of the things I did not like about it for many years. And it can be challenging in terms of the hours they want you to work and the pressure that's put on you. So around the nine, 10 year mark in that industry, once I had accomplished all of these pursuits, I really started looking at, again, like you said, you put in good words before as I took a time out, I took a step back. I was still working, but I needed to figure out what was next. And because I needed to ask myself a hard question, which I think a lot of people should ask themselves is, is this what I want to do for the next decade? Is this what I want to do for the next 15, 20 years, 25 years? And the answer for me was straight up no. And I was at the ceiling. I couldn't make any more money. I asked to get more money. 
on a couple occasions and they said no because I was literally at the top of that industry for what I was working on and where I was working. And it wasn't only that, but I just didn't feel the progression anymore. I didn't feel like I could keep going in terms of endorsements and experience and and so on and so forth. So I felt kind of trapped. And that feeling for me is not good because I'm always about progressing. I'm always about doing better, about learning, about moving forward. So I went back to the drawing board and I figured out, okay, what can I do for myself? I had in the back of my mind, I always wanted to run an online business. I always wanted to do something and create something for myself to solve a problem in the marketplace, to help and give back for my own experience and my knowledge in everything that I've done. So this was really key for me into figuring that out. Fast forward to 2020, and now I go full in on side projects, on experiments. And this is what can I do to figure out that thing, to figure out that business, to figure out what I want to do. So I wrote two books. I launched social media channels. I started writing a weekly blog. I launched a website. I did all these different pursuits in all these different areas to see and get feedback right away of, okay, what do I actually like doing? What don't I like doing? And how can I take this feedback to monetize it, to make money from it, to survive, but also live a good life and still have that freedom that I love, to still make good money that helps me live the life that I want to live as well. So there was all these things that were happening, 2020 nights, weekends, and even when I was working on these two weeks when I had free time, I was building my website. I was grinding. I was hustling. I put a lot of effort in 2020 and 2021 into figuring this whole thing out for my next phase. Okay. This is really important because a lot of people have great ideas on how they want to do things. Well, first of all, let's just go back. You, you, you're, you're beginning to take a timeout again. Well, not a full timeout. You're, you're in the middle of the game. You're still working as a aircraft engineer. But at the same time, you're going, okay, wait a second here. Something's rolling around in your head going, I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life, which is a big plus because a lot of people end up falling into that trap. As somebody put it to me, you're in this loop, you're in this vicious cycle and you just keep going and going and going. And before you know it, 10 years have, have gone by and you're going, yikes, okay, how do I get out of this? I want to get out of this. So hats off to you. I mean, you start thinking about it and that's, that's huge. A lot of people underestimate this. Once you start thinking about something, you should maybe, and you're thinking about it more and more, obviously, as you did, you need to start entertaining this, these thoughts. So let's just sort of go back. You're, you're questioning yourself. You're going, okay, look, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm really interested in doing something online, doing an online business where I have a lot more freedom. So you did a lot of experimenting. So let's just get into a bit more detail of what kind of experimenting you did. So one of the first things is I hired a mentor. I hired a coach in 2020 to work with me, paid him over $10,000 for that year. And that was kind of pre-COVID. I just want to emphasize that because a lot of people started making change during COVID. But I had this idea in my head in 2019, I need to work with someone. I need to figure out what I want to do. I need some clarity. I need some guidance. So I started working with this mentor in 2020. And one of the projects we came up with off the bat was, was writing a book. So I had a ton of experience in weight training, in bodybuilding, in competing, in living this whole foundational lifestyle of nutrition and training and exercise. And I had this knowledge that I'm going to write a book on fitness, on health, and that's something I'm really passionate about. And again, that was a project. That was something that was new and exciting. 
I would never consider myself a writer prior to that or someone that had extreme writing skills or wrote all the time because I didn't. But that was a project I wanted to take on just to see if I could do it in something new and different. So that was one of the first things, wrote a book. And then later in that year, I actually wrote a second book, which focused on wealth, which focused on money of me getting out of all of that debt and then paying off the debt making over six figures a year and just living an awesome life while still having a regular job, while still doing something that a lot of people would make similar incomes in, but maximizing that potential. So those were different projects. I'd say those were some of the bigger ones because that took a lot of time, effort, and energy in terms of writing, but they were fun. They were kind of detailed and they helped to give that knowledge that I had back to the marketplace, back to people that they can access it and learn from my story, my experiences, and so on and so forth. Let's just take a step back about coach, hiring a coach, because that's really important. I think a lot of people underestimate this. Having a coach, a mentor, somebody's going to guide you. How did you find this person? I started doing some research on Google in terms of local. I wanted to work with someone local around my city, around Vancouver, because I had this idea of working with them in person. So not having an online interaction, but actually an in-person interaction. So that's where it started. I started Googling coaches in Vancouver or whatever else I was searching and just someone that could help me find that clarity. So that's where it started. And it was really important for me because I understood already the value of investing in yourself. I already understood the value of having someone hold you accountable for your actions, for what you're, you say you're going to do versus what you actually do. And I really understood that I needed this person to help me get to that next level, to help me kind of create this breakthrough of leaving an industry that I dominated, so to speak, in the decade, but going to something completely different that was out of my league, that was out of my knowledge, but actually making it happen and taking a step in the right direction was so critical with having that mentor. I just want to talk about this for a couple of minutes because this is really important. Again, uh, all of us need mentors and doing it alone is hard. And having somebody guide you or throw questions at you going, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Did you find this person right off the bat really easily or did you interview other mentors perhaps? I did interview several mentors in terms of that exact person I was looking for, but I did click with someone in Vancouver almost right away, maybe on the third call, I believe. And I just knew for sure that we were kind of aligned in our same values and similar insights and mindset of terms of what I was looking for. So once I found that person, then I just decided, all right, let's go all in. And I was invested in him basically from then on. Anybody out there, again, who's listening and thinks, maybe I'll hire a mentor. Maybe this is something that I should consider. What advice would you like to pass on when somebody's considering this? What, what should they be looking for? Yeah, I think in terms of what you should be looking for is someone, again, that's aligned with what you want and what you believe. So if you're someone that wants to get a lot of things done, you're action-oriented, you're results-oriented, maybe trying to find someone that has similar ideas or insights around that of goal setting, of creating the right habits to get there, of someone in a line with your values is going to help propel you to that level, I think, faster than someone that's more on the side of, okay, let's just focus on chilling and just kind of hanging out and meditating and stuff. And while that stuff of being is very important, it might not be quite as aligned with who you are and what you want to achieve in that pursuit. So I think finding someone aligned with what you're looking to do as well as who you are is important. 
Okay. Let's just jump ahead now to writing your books. Now you wrote two books. You the first one you wrote on was on health. Is that right? Yep, optimal health. Okay. So did you hire an editor for this one or did you just sit down and do this one on your own? This first book, I fully just sat down and winged it. I wrote it on my own. I had no plan. I'll be completely honest. It was an idea that stemmed into a book. And it was basically the foundation of what do I want to write on? It's going to be health because that was a huge part of my expertise and the foundation of my life, really. And then I came up with the chapters. What are the key chapters I want to talk about? So there's nine different chapters that focus on nine different fundamentals of living a healthy lifestyle. Then once I had those, I took time, I wouldn't say every day, but several times a week to sit down and write a blurb on that chapter or sit down and write anything I could on that chapter, literally from experience, from my own storytelling, from my own experiences, from my own knowledge, which I had a ton of at this point. I think I had about 14 or 16 years of experience weight training consistently for five days a week without stopping, fully invested in nutrition and competing. So I started tackling these things one by one and I didn't have an editor. I didn't have a proofreader, but this was more a project of, okay, what can I do with this and put it out to the marketplace? I got it on Amazon as paperback ebook, as well as an audio book. So I hired an audio narrator for the audio book specifically. And that's just because I didn't have the means or tools to do that myself. So I basically delegated that task. You emphasize the fact that you came up with nine different chapters, so nine nine different things you want to talk about. So I'm assuming that when you sat down, and you're still working full-time, but when you sat down, you just sort of just wrote. And at some point, you have to go back, and you're probably just rereading this and polishing up your writing. Would that be a safe assumption? or? Yeah, I'm just figuring it out. I have no plan. I have no targets. I'm literally sitting down. I'm writing. I don't consider myself a writer at this point. And I'm just trying something new. I'm getting comfortable doing something that's uncomfortable. And I'm just doing it because I want to know and I want to get that feedback right away of, do I like this? Is this something I want to do? Is writing something that I might incorporate in this business or in this future, but also having a tangible thing in my hand after the fact that I can help people with because I had so much experience in that field. I was, well, it's a win-win either way once I finish this book. So at at this point, you really don't know what you want to do. You're just concentrating on this project. Are you still working with your mentor? I'm working with my mentor for all of 2020. So every single month straight, we're working together and I'm doing a ton of different projects. So the books were just one project of of many. Like I said, I was doing social media channels. I was writing a blog. I started a website and a YouTube channel. And I did all of these different side projects at the same time in 2020 while I was working to test all these ideas out to the marketplace. Let's talk about some of the other side projects as well. What were your blogs? What were your, what was your social media about as well? Yeah. So I created a brand in 2020 called Your Optimal Lifestyle. And this was a lifestyle brand that was the foundation of health. It was the foundation of wealth. And it was the foundation of passion, of following your dreams, of freedom, of doing what you love for your career. So I started to create this brand persona of, I didn't know what it was, but I knew those basic things of what it was. And I didn't know what it was going to transform to. So I started writing a weekly blog. I dedicated every Monday I would write a blog on life, on productivity, on things that I knew of in my own experiences to help people online. 
I created a YouTube channel around that, Your Optimal Lifestyle, and I just shot a ton of different videos. I didn't have really any intentions, but again, I was getting feedback from that marketplace. So I did some drone videos of lifestyle places that I, I visited and I traveled to. I did motorcycle videos because I'm big into riding my motorcycle on the track and on the street. So I started creating some of those. I did talking head videos behind a camera where I'm giving information and value on a certain productivity tip or my favorite books. And I'm just doing all these different projects to, again, get that feedback. So that's something I want people to take away from what I'm saying right now is I wasn't just doing it just for randomness and just for complete chaos. I was doing it with an intention of, okay, what do I actually want to do? What videos do I like filming on my YouTube channel? What videos don't I like? Or do I even want a YouTube channel? I was putting all these things out there and taking in the feedback immediately of, okay, I actually want to do this. Okay, I don't want to do this. So then moving forward, I had full data and evidence right away of what I wanted to do. Obviously, you're just experimenting. But when you say feedback, are you talking about feedback that other people are giving you? Or is it feedback of, okay, how does this feel? Do I like doing this or not? It's feedback on how does this feel? Do I like doing this or not? So it's feedback specifically to me, but I'm taking in that feedback from, do I like doing it? Do I hate doing it? Is this fun? Can I see myself doing this in the future and for a long time? Did you put a lot of pressure on yourself at this time or is it you're just having fun with this? I wouldn't say there was a lot of pressure. I was having fun with it. And again, I was doing it on nights, weekends, and even while I was working when I had free time. So I had an excess amount of time. I was working at the time, two weeks on, two weeks off. So that's also a huge emphasis here is I had free time to do this, but a lot of people working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, you're going to need to do this on top of that. You're going to need to do this on top of what you're doing to some degree if you want to figure that out and figure out the next step in your life. I like the way you just word that because to me, it's being creative. People think it's being flaky, but it's not. You you really have to have the discipline to set away the time and make sure that time is there to be creative. And you did that. So obviously we were very, very disciplined with that. So hats off to you. And I think that's a key lesson for anybody who's listening, who's going, yeah, I want to do this. Well, okay, it's one thing and that's great that you're thinking about it. But to take a step forward, you really have to be diligent and put that time away and make use of that time to make YouTube videos or just write or whatever it is. And you have to be constantly progressing. You have to have something tangible at the end of the day, like with your writing, with your first book and your blogging as well. But you led yourself down a path and you're experimenting. Your, your first book was tangible. You actually put it out on Amazon. So let's just talk about this for a minute. You published it on Amazon. For people that are curious on how do you put a book on Amazon, can you just describe the steps involved with that? So there's definitely a lot of steps. So I won't get into full detail, but basically Amazon is paired with Kindle now. So they own Kindle, which is KDP, and that's the platform that they publish on. So you can download the software on Amazon to basically format the book, to have the chapters. And it's actually much more simpler now than I think it even was a few years ago to do that whole process. 
So you just want to look up you know, Kindle and publishing an ebook on Amazon. And then once you have initially the ebook, which is usually the first phase of it, then you can create your paperback from it. Then you can create your audiobook from it. And then that puts it on different platforms for different people to find around the world. Okay. Let's jump ahead to your second book because your second book was a little bit different because I think you hired somebody to help you with this book. Did you not? So Optimal Wealth was now when I had more experience with writing. So Optimal Health was done. It was finished. It was published. It was online. And that was the very basic starting point. So for this next book, I'm okay. I want to start another project on another book. I enjoyed that process, but I want to immerse myself in this one more fully. I want this to be a better package. I want this to be a better overall book. When people read this, they're shocked and they're in awe of, okay, this book is really practical, really simple, but really effective in what it is. So this one was Optimal Wealth, and this is to break the paycheck-to-paycheck paycheck cycle on your way to financial freedom. And that's the basis of it all. Most people are living paycheck-to-paycheck, paycheck, and it doesn't matter if you're making 10000 a month or 3000 a month or even 100000 a month, is people up their lifestyles. It's called lifestyle creep. So the more money they make, the more they up their lifestyles. They buy the boat, they buy the truck, they buy the fancy car and the house. And as these income and these expenses go up, it still leaves you with nothing or little where you're still strapped week to week. So I got out of all of that once I paid off my debt. I totally changed my mindset around money. I changed how I used money, how I budgeted my money. And I was very, I want to say, tactical in my approach where I had a plan, I followed a plan, and it worked very, very well for me for many years. So the basis of this book was off that, was with my own stories, my experience, being broke, living paycheck to paycheck, to breaking that, to making six figures, but not only making that, to saving thousands a month, to investing, to adjusting your mindset, to having a mindset of abundance rather than scarcity. There's all these techniques that I used and that I learned from reading books, from applying them to my own life that helped me with my finances that are the basis of this book. And because I wanted it to be a better overall package, something of better value for the customers and the people wanting to read it and learn more, is I hired a proofreader. I hired an editor. So while I still wrote the whole entire book myself, the whole framework is everything that I've designed, the finishing touches, the polish, so to speak, on the outside of it in terms of the conciseness, the clarity, the grammar is at another level of my first book because I took more time. I put in more effort and I hired a person and delegated that task that was more of an expert at that part, which I don't like so much, which is the editing, which is the proofreading, which I realized from the feedback I got off the first book and it wasn't my strong suit. So then I hired someone to do that, which wasn't too expensive on a platform like Fiverr where you can hire freelancers and they edited it and proofread it to another level so that when I put that one out, I felt more confident in the total package. I've talked to other authors and there's editors out there that will actually help you construct a book. It sounds to me like this was more on the, just the technical part, just polishing up the grammar, just making sure that it just read well. Is it, am I reading that right? Yep, that's right. It was just on the technical part, the grammar, maybe some apostrophes, periods, or run-on sentences, very much just the structure of the writing itself. Everything else I've already done with my previous book, so I knew how to do it. So I just applied that to the second book. With both books from start to finish, how long did it take you? 
I'm trying to remember here exactly. The first book I believe took me Optimal Health, which is around 84 pages, I think, finished in print, is around four months total. And again, that's on and off. That's writing here and there. That's coming up with the idea. That's start to finish. The second book, which is much more in-depth, it's longer. I think it's around 135 pages. <laughs> Don't quote me on that but it's around there. So it's quite a bit longer. It's very much more in depth. That project took me some more time, but I was also, I want to say slightly less involved in that project. I wasn't as full on with it in terms of how much I was writing. I believe that project took me about seven to eight months total. Okay. So you just sit down to do this. I mean, you obviously had a framework in your mind that you wanted to put out there because a lot of people want to write a book, but they just don't know how to go about it. So I, I'm assuming with both of them, you just sort of just laid off the chapters and you just sort of just sat down and just brainstormed and just wrote and just kept on reviewing it and just going from there. Yeah, exactly. And I'm someone that I've written now for my blog and newsletter for 154 weeks straight. So I'm used to having that habit and that discipline of writing now, but I didn't really have any goals in terms of the writing, but I just sat down and wrote. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty. I wasn't backspacing and taking things out and thinking too much. I literally just sat at my keyboard, I sat at my laptop and just wrote as much as possible on that specific chapter or on that point. And then later I could go back, I could pull out parts, I could edit it, but it was all just about writing down everything in my mind on paper. You sound to me like a person that just gets things done. I mean, going back to your career from going for your helicopter license to, to being a aircraft maintenance engineer, to what you're doing right now. You just sit down and you just get things done. You're obviously with your weight training and whatnot, you're a very, very disciplined person, I would say. And that's, again, going back to what I said about creativity, that's a huge aspect of it is if you're going to do anything, you have to be disciplined about it, which is going back to your book, Optimal Wealth. And I just want to talk about that for a, a minute or two, because that's really important because so many people fall into that trap of the more money you make, the more you tend to spend. And it's a trap that we build. And sometimes you're, you're buying things and going, well, yeah, what do I really need that for? I didn't, I never needed that. So I don't know. Do you have any other tidbits of advice on that one? Yeah, I think the main part where everyone falls short and it's financial IQ, it's financial intelligence. So it's not something you learn in school. It's not something you learn in math class. This is not an equation. It's rather just knowing and understanding how finances work. And at the basis and foundation of all of this, and likely all of your financial problems, I would say, are what you're making versus what you're spending. So this is a budget. This is how much you make income, how much you spend expenses. And you need to know these numbers because these numbers are critical to how much you have left over. So that's how much you're saving, how much you're investing, or maybe how much you're paying off to debt for your house, for the car, for your student loans. So at the basis of it all, you need to have a budget. And there's excellent apps nowadays. I like to use Every Dollar by Dave Ramsey. It's an app you can download on your phone, create a budget, track everything right on it, as well as YNAB. You need a budget. That's another app, basically the exact same fundamentals but utilize these at the basis, and then you can start planning your financial goals, your financial vision, 
of paying off the debt, buying the house, buying the apartment, or going on the trip and having these great experiences, which are things that I more like to indulge in myself rather than the materialistic things is where can I go? What experience can I get in my life that I'm really going to remember for the rest of my life? It's interesting you point that out because it is understanding your values or what you want to have a life. Some people like materialistic things, so they want to buy that nice car, but maybe they don't like to travel. So that's fair enough. It's just understanding what you want out of life, opposed to keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. Just to recap, though, too, if anybody's going to sit down and write a book, what have you learned from that that you would like to pass on? The main thing I would say is be more structured than me. You mentioned is I'm disciplined. So sitting down and getting it done is literally a habit for me. That's the standard I hold myself to, which is high. But for most people, you need that structure. You need that organization. And I think that's a good thing. And I have a ton of structure built in my own life. But what I'm getting at is know what you want to write on, know the audience, know the chapters you want to focus on and the, and the titles of the chapters, those points but also have an idea of how much you want to write every day or how much you want to write every week. So let's say, for example, every week you want to write 5,000 words. So 5,000 words is the target. So that means five days a week, you would need to sit down and write 1,000 words. And it doesn't mean the words have to be 1,000 good words. You could scrap a ton of it in the end. You don't know. But the goal is to have that framework of this is how much I'm going to write on these days. And I think that's going to help most people get over the barrier of, oh my God, I need to write this you know, 25,000 or 50,000 word book. It's so big, so overwhelming. But let's break it down to how much you need to write per day or per week. And it's way more feasible and way more tangible to actually do. Once you got started though, I'm curious. Did you find that you could keep the momentum easier when it's just getting started? Would that be a good, safe assumption? It's interesting you bring this up. So when I write, and I, I don't want to jinx myself here because I've been going for so many years now straight since 2020 writing, but I can just sit down and I can just write and I can fully get it out. And I have a certain time frame that I'm not pressuring myself. I don't write if I only have 15 minutes or half an hour. I'll make sure I have a, a good time block where I can kind of let it flow, but I don't have any issues writing. I can sit down and I can just pull words out of my mind for a long time. For example, my blogs approximately are 800 to 1500 words a week that I'll write. And I can sit down for one session and just get a thousand words out just like in the snap of my fingers almost consistently, which I know is not going to come as easy to some people. They might have writer's block. They might have thoughts that are emerging, or they might be hitting that backspace a lot because they didn't like what they wrote. So I think just trying to get it out, not being perfect, knowing that it's not going to be perfect and get as much on paper as you can, or as much on that computer is really the key to that progression. I like the way you said that, because that's something I aspire to. I'm a big fan of Seth Godin and Seth Godin wrote a book called The Practice. And in that book, he really emphasizes the fact of Hence the word practice. I mean, if you're going to be a writer, write every day and try to put something out there. And if it's not perfect, that's fine. It doesn't have to be perfect. And try not to overthink it. Just create a habit for the lack of better words. But the big thing is too, is the more you write, you will get better at it. It just does come. It's like practicing a guitar or a piano. Eventually it does start getting better slowly, 
bit by bit. With that though too, so you've published the two books, you're still blogging, you say 154 weeks, if I heard that correctly. I know you've created a website, you're trying to kind of hone in on a certain service. So where are you at right now? Yeah, so basically from the feedback and all the experiments I did 2020, 2021, while I was doing my job, I started creating an exit plan for that full-time career. So in aviation, an exit plan, a hard deadline. This is the date I'm quitting my job. And that was really important to me because so many people don't have that deadline. They say, oh, I'm going to change careers next year. I'm going to change my habits next Monday or next month. And being in all honesty, that doesn't work and it never will work. So having that hard deadline pressured me or kind of pushed me forward to, okay, I need to save this much money. Okay. I need to know what I'm doing for my business. So what it ended up turning into was a coaching business. And in 2021, I started coaching and it was very broad and it was very general in terms of who I was helping and what I was doing. And I wasn't really gaining any traction because it was so general and broad. So I started to hone in more on my expertise, my knowledge, my experience, and who I could help solve a specific problem. And what I came across was career transitions, something that I'm very familiar with from being a helicopter pilot, snowboard instructor, hardware store associate, aircraft maintenance engineer, business owner, entrepreneur. I've done so many different things. And eventually it didn't happen overnight, of course, but I was successful at them. I drove with that consistency, that discipline to do them at a very, very high level. And so what it has transformed into and changed into is a career coaching business. So that's helping people with one-on-one -on -one online services to make career transitions, to figure out that next thing out of high school, out of college, out of university, into what they want to do, something I'm very experienced in. And I believe when you do a job and when you have a job or a career rather, you want to do something you love. You want to do something you're passionate about. And that sits very well with me and what I teach and what I preach is you don't want to just do your nine to five and pay for the house you can't afford and commute for two hours a day. You can do that very well, like a lot of other people, but it's not really the best life you can live in terms of what you want to do, what you can achieve and the experience you have. So I help people with these transitions, even to becoming entrepreneurs, to starting businesses, to starting side projects and experiments like I did for many years myself to get that feedback on their end of, okay, you know what? I actually want to do this, or maybe I don't want to do this, but they're learning to figure out what that next thing is. And I help them to get there and execute that. Hats off to you. That's a really interesting little business that you've started up though too. I just want to go back. A little bit here. When you said you left your your full time job as an aircraft maintenance engineer, that was what? Give me a time frame again on, on that one. That was early twenty twenty two. Is when I officially quit full time. Done. So that's just a little bit over a year ago. So I, I need to ask you. I mean, and obviously, a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs would be asking you too. I mean, were you nervous at the time? How did you feel when you finally left that? Yeah, I was definitely nervous at the time. And funny story, I'll just touch on it quickly because we're here and on it. But I was sure I wanted to do this, but I got tested right at the end by life. And life will test you often. And this was one of those tests that was a big one for me. So about three weeks before I put my notice in, because I had an idea, I'm putting my notice in on this date. I'm done at this date. I had this in my mind, but it was very much kept to myself, kept to my inner circle. 
because I wasn't just going to tell my job, oh, I'm quitting in three months, by the way. And so I made it very tactical in that approach. But about three weeks or two weeks before I put that notice in, I got an email from the company I worked for for the last few years. I was very highly recognized at that company. I led their teams. I led projects and bigger projects. I was very highly regarded at this company because I put in a lot of effort to build myself to that standard. So I got this email. Hey, Chris, you're doing a great job. We love what you're doing. This is what we're offering you for this year going forward. And it was, in in basically saying it, about 20K, 20,000 more a year for doing absolutely nothing. Thanks for the hard work. Keep it up. We're going to give you this money month over month. So I got this $20,000 raise, and which is fairly significant. It's probably more significant to some people than others. But for what I was making, that that was fairly significant at the time. And it was one of those tests where, you know, it got me thinking, well, should I put this two weeks notice in or this four weeks notice? It started getting me thinking of, oh, if I stay. And it was one of those tests that was really, really critical that it either I would have accepted it and I would have stayed in that industry for who knows how long, or I needed to just continue and move on and say, you know what, screw the 20 grand because I'm setting my sights on much, much higher things that's going to not only impact my life, but others. That's more important than just this financial thing or this financial amount. So I came to a conclusion shortly after I got this email that it's not going to change my mind. I'm still going ahead with quitting my job. I'm still going ahead with moving on because that's really what was in my heart. And that's what I knew I had to do. And this was just life kind of throwing something at me saying, hey, Chris, like, by the way, here's some extra money. Are you sure you want to make this change? And that was the biggest test probably of that whole situation. So obviously not just talking the talk, you're walking the walk, you're living proof. And that was the final chapter of that book for sure, that you are not just preaching this, that people should follow their hearts or their dreams, but you actually did it for the lack of better words. So let's just talk a little bit about your business right now. How do you work with a client when somebody approaches you? If somebody's interested in contacting you, what can they expect? So I offer a few different services. The main service I do offer is one-on-one coaching. So that's coaching with myself. I do run my business as a solopreneur. So I do and am responsible for everything on my site, on my brand, on everything. So there's definitely a lot of different hats I'm wearing. But in terms of working with me, I have a few different options. One is an on-demand power hour. So this is a one-on-one, one-hour coaching call where I work with clients They have maybe a specific issue or problem they're dealing with. This could be an interview. This could be a promotion. This could be some sort of work dispute they're having with someone. That's kind of a one-off coaching session that I work with people. The main thing I do is a three-month or 12-week coaching program, which is one-on-one to help with either a career transition. It could even be career development or just progressing in your career in some way, shape, or form. But I do love helping people in transitional periods like I was in because I know how hard it is to get out of there. I know how hard it is to get out of that comfort zone, to take that risk, and to be courageous in that transition. So that could be transitioning from a whole entire different marketplace, or maybe it's even a lateral transition in a company that they just need some guidance and some help and some mentorship around to be held accountable to their ideas and actions moving forward. So the main thing I do is the one-on-one coaching. It's a service where I do calls online with clients as well as provide a very high level of accountability through emails, WhatsApp messaging, and so forth. 
to help them break beyond those barriers, to help them with that support so they can actually take the actions that they're saying they want to take and they have someone that's making sure they're held to their own standards. In that three to 12 month period, do you get together with the person once, twice a week for an hour or so? And you said accountability through emails. How do you follow up with with people? I mean, do they just report back to you? How exactly are you working this? Yeah. So the main focus I have in terms of calls is two calls a month at 45 minutes per call. So that's typical. I'm open to working with people more or less than that, depending on their circumstances. I have worked with people even just once a month, and I have even worked with people four times a month, depending on their circumstances and how much support they want. As well as the emails, that's kind of a weekly thing. I'll check in with them, see how they're doing, and also unlimited support via WhatsApp messaging. So international clients that I do work with, we have the ability to work with them via WhatsApp. So that allows us to instant message. They can message me. I can message them within reason to just keep up to date. How's everything going? Is this action that you said you were going to take? Have you taken that? and so on and so forth. It's about creating a really high level of accountability and a real high level of trust between me and the client to make sure that they feel comfortable in taking these steps to make it happen. This is interesting though too, because this is all stemming from all the work, all the experimenting you did, even when you were working part-time as an aircraft maintenance engineer and, and the books you wrote and the blogs that you put out. And your YouTube channel is all just stuff that you sort of just put out there and you obviously created a following. And now that following is sort of just paying off for you. Would would, would that be a good way of saying it? Yeah, for sure. And I want to touch on too something that we talked about previously to this is most people think they're going to build this business and clients are going to start flowing and everything is just going to be unicorns and rainbows for the next decade and beyond. But it's very, very far from this. And Not to say that it can't be done, but when you want to do something, you need to have this bigger why. And that's the main thing I can say. You need to have a bigger goal, a bigger why than the money, than something in yourself. It has to be a bigger impact. And I think that was key and is key to all the content I create, all the value I bring to the marketplace, all my knowledge and expertise is all based off that why, off that bigger impact of not only just myself and running my own company, but it's to give back, to help with that expertise that I've been there. I've done that. I've failed. I've been in the huge amount of debt. I've transferred the careers and transitioned the careers myself many, many times. So you want to make sure that you're learning from someone and that you have some sort of coach or mentor that has done it previously. And I think that is hard to find these days, I want to say, with a lot of online people claiming to be experts. It's very easy to go down this path of believing someone that may not be telling the full truth. So being able to find someone that's done it, that's put their shoes on in that specific circumstance, so to speak, is really, really critical. Your story is definitely genuine and you're coming across as very genuine. And I like the way you put that because I wrote a blog about the other day, which inspired me because when I met you last week or when I talked to you, it made me think about some of the other guests that I've interviewed that are entrepreneurs. And there, it is a big myth. People think that, yeah, you just open the door or you put up your website and the business just rolls in. It's years of doing work. And I hate to say it, free work or pro bono, but a lot of it is until you build up that trust. And even after people do establish themselves, they still do a certain amount of that, maybe less, but you still are doing that. It's a real myth out there. 
Yeah, absolutely. You kind of nailed it on the head with it's a myth. And there's kind of a saying I want to touch on is, if you build it, they won't come. (laughs) So a lot of people say they will come. They will not come. Trust me, because I've built it. I've built lots of things online and they will not come. And the main thing, I mean, we don't have to get fully into this, is traffic, is pushing that traffic to those landing pages, to the website, to the brand. And you're not going to get organic traffic for free or at least much of it unless you go viral or blow up on some sort of platforms, which again, is very, very highly unlikely. Organic traffic. That's I like the way you worded that. A lot of people misunderstand that it's organic traffic. There's no real marketing myth. Going back to Seth Godin, he's just said, it's just word of mouth is so huge. So if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Yeah, the best way to get a hold of me, you can go to my website at chrismwilson.com. I'm also on YouTube, Instagram, as well as LinkedIn at I am Chris M. Wilson. You can send me a message on there. Go to my website, check out my services to learn more about me and what I do. So that's definitely going to be in the summary, all those links. So for people who are listening that are really interested in contacting Chris, you just look down the summary, you're going to see the links there easily. So with that said, is there anything else you would like to add or any other pieces of information you would just like to add or words of wisdom that somebody's listening, for example, wants to be an entrepreneur and he's going, I don't know how to start this. What would you like to pass on on every segment of your life from getting your helicopter license to becoming a aircraft maintenance engineer to going back to school to all these little things that you've done? We've definitely talked about each segment very well on what advice we'd like to pass, but encompassing everything, what would you like to pass on to people? I think the biggest thing that's changed my life and the biggest thing that's going to change every one of these listeners listening right now is two things. And the first thing is consistency. You need to be consistent. You need to do what it takes every day, every week, every month, every year in whatever you want to do in order to get there. If you're not consistent, you're not likely going to get there. The second thing you want to do and ensure you're doing is what's come up in a lot of my story and what a lot of I do is discipline. And discipline is waking up when you don't want to. It's going to the gym when you don't want to. It's doing those things, even though you don't feel like it, you just have to do it. And trust me when I say this, when you do it, when you don't want to, It's going to be so much sweeter. And after you do it, you're going to feel better about it. It's doing it and just making it happen. So make sure you're consistent and make sure you're disciplined. And I think the final words of wisdom I want to leave the listeners with is that you want to follow that inner voice. You want to follow that voice that's in your head, in your heart, that's saying, hey, you know what? I don't actually want to do this job anymore. Hey, you know what? I don't want to pursue this avenue anymore. And a lot of people ignore this voice. And I ignored this voice too for many years. And the biggest regret I have, and I don't want to say it's a huge regret, but is not listening and not capitalizing on this voice sooner. So we always wait for this perfect time. We always wait for when everything's aligned exactly perfectly in my life, then I can save more money. Then I can change careers. Then I can invest in a coach, whatever, whatever. But that perfect time doesn't exist. (laughs) It doesn't exist. It's never going to happen. And you need to take these risks. You need to take these jumps within reason for your own risk tolerance in life in order to really get where you want to go in your life and in your career. 
I like the way you said that inner voice, because I've interviewed other people who've talked about that as well. And they say, well, it does keep coming back at you. It does keep coming back and haunting you. And speaking of career development, that's why I'm doing this podcast is to encourage people to follow that inner voice because I'm a big believer in this. And I know I'm preaching a little bit too much about this, but I look at our world and yes, we have a lot of issues. There's a lot of people have a lot of health issues and mental issues. And I think a lot of it's because we were not listening to that inner voice. We're not following what we want to do. We fall into that trap of going back to your book about optimal wealth and we overspend. We, we buy things that to make us happy, but it doesn't make us happy. And we're to get up every day to do something going, yeah, I really like doing this. I'm pumped for the day. And it, it just makes your life so much better. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with that more. With that, Chris had some wise words of wisdom at the end here. And throughout this interview, this has been a real pleasure interviewing him. And I'm pretty confident in saying anybody who's listening to this definitely got an earful, uh, not just a good earful, but a really, really thoughtful interview about going from how to get a helicopter license to regrouping yourself. And that's, that's really, really important to when you regrouped yourself, you went back to aviation school, you became an aviation engineer, you worked in it for about a good 13 years. And from that, you definitely branched out, you experimented, you found what you wanted to do. You've written a couple of books and now you've started up your service, your online service. So with that, I can't say I really, really appreciate your time this morning. And thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me, Mickey. It was a pleasure to be here. Likewise. Thanks. I want to thank Chris again for this open and candid look and how he went about his career change. Lessons learned are experiment and play with ideas with no expected result, except to find out if you like it or not. That is the most important thing. Hire or work with a coach, mentor, or someone else who may give you another perspective, but more importantly, will hold you accountable. Accountability. Give yourself deadlines and hold yourself to it. As in Chris's case, he picked a date on when he was going to leave his aviation career and he did it. And above all, expect to see unseen events. He was tested as he explained. Being a business owner or entrepreneur takes a lot of work and initially you have to do things for free. As he puts it, if you just build it, they will not come. His advice is to be consistent and disciplined. Basically, a person has to work at whatever it is they're doing consistently with discipline every day. The other piece of advice is there is no perfect time to do anything. A person will have to take some initiative and risk within reason, of course, if they're going to do anything with their life. Once again, I want to thank Chris for this and the two other great episodes. Please tune in for the next informative interview with Henry Yu, engineering to art to a marketer. Also, for other episodes and blogs, please visit the Career Guy website, www.thecareerguy.ca. And thanks for listening.